All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Missional Community Leaders Coaching Podcast. Yeah, still haven't figured out how to do this. Um, but, uh, hey, take two. Uh, tried to record it uh, via the Anchor website. Totally didn't work. So redoing it <laughs> i uh, now that eight hey, now that we are back up and running uh outside multiple locations all the good stuff going to try to get this up each week and i will try to do better at getting it up earlier in the week so that we're not just uh, so it's not coming so so late in the week for you guys to process it um before we jump in just want to remind you uh again how grateful i am for you you guys are awesome and I am just absolutely beyond thankful uh, for for you so uh, yeah thanks thanks for how you care for us and we we really appreciate you uh, our passage this week is first Peter chapter 3 verses uh, 8 through 22 it goes like this finally all of you be like-minded be sympathetic love one another be compassionate and humble do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you? If you are eager to do good, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. All right, so uh, this passage uh, is tough. Uh, it's one of the harder passages in the New Testament to, to kind of work through and struggle through. Uh, but you know, this is, uh, this is kind of where, where we're at. Uh, so, you know, I think, uh, the big idea, the message, big idea is life in life out, life up. We're kind of looking at, uh, you know, the realities of living life in community with other believers, living life in community, uh, outside of the, the community of believers and, uh, you know, kind of this deeper life, uh, that is rooted in Christ. The fallen condition focus uh, is uh, kind of where I'm at with that is that we sometimes believe that we must defend ourselves. Uh, and the reason we, we feel like we have to defend ourselves is, is it's rooted in our ego. It's rooted uh, in this 
kind of lack of confidence, I think, that we have uh, when, you know, when we're not really kind of fully trusting in who Christ is and the reality of what he has done. And so this, uh, you know, this kind of, this sense of faith and hope and trust gives us a sense of confidence that, that allows us to no, no longer have to defend ourselves. We are able to simply point to the hope that we have in Christ. And in so doing then, Christ calls us to gentleness and respect because our lives are rooted in his life. Our confidence is, is in the reality that the one who suffered unjustly uh, has has risen and is setting all things right. He is reconciling all things. So verses eight through twelve, you know, how do we live with one another, right? Uh, how do we how do we do this? And so, you know, he starts here with finally, uh, which points us back to what we've just talked about. He's just been talking about household, you know, the kind of the, the household codes, right? And now Peter is expanding that to this broader picture of how do we live life in community? How do we live life in the community uh, of faith to start? Verses 8 through 12. It says in verses 8 and 9, be like-minded. Six things. First, be like-minded. Uh, so this, this idea of being like-minded is literally uh, the idea of seeing through somebody else's eyes. Right? Seeing, kind of putting putting yourself in their shoes, in their mind, and trying to see the world in the same way. Well, what happens if you do that? Well, you become sympathetic, right? You, you begin to see their story and understand their story. And, and so you're able to have sympathy for them, which when you, when you are, are like-minded, when you're seeing the world with somebody else's eyes, when you grow in sympathy, then that leads you into a deeper love for one another. And that's number three, is love one another, he says. Loving one another is a decision. It's a choice that, that, we, that we consistently make. Uh, we are to be compassionate. Uh, this, this idea of, you know, coming alongside of somebody, not just, not just you know, kind of feeling bad for them, but identifying with with them this this compassion it's 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 this word for guts and and so in a very real sense peter's saying hey identify with one another's guts Uh, and when we do that then what happens is that leads us into some into a deeper sense of humility so we're to be humble we're to have a right view of self and others and then the sixth thing is don't repay evil with evil there's going to come a time when even within the community of faith, we're going to be sinned against, where we're going to experience hard things. And so we don't repay evil with evil because we are to be a blessing and we inherit that blessing from one another, right? Uh, Because what were we called to do? Who are we called to be? We're a chosen people called to bless the nations, Verses 10 through 12 are kind of this argument from Psalm 34. Uh, Psalm 34, 11 asks the question, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Uh, which is a great question because it gets us right back up into, you know, again, this previous passage of, of having reverence and fear of God. And so he doesn't quote that part 
but they would know, his audience would know Psalm 34. And, uh, and so they would know that, that the, the, the question that this little passage is answering is that question of what does it mean to fear the Lord? And, and the first thing is, is to watch, watch your tongue, right? Watch what you say. Uh, you know, keep your tongue from evil. Uh, so if you're going to love life, if you're going to live life in a way that is honoring uh, to the Lord, then, then you're going to watch what you say. You're going to try as best you can to keep your tongue from, from evil things. Doesn't that sound a lot like James, right? Uh, the second thing, verse 11, we get this pursuit of peace. Uh, not, not simply trying to keep peace, but making peace, pursuing it. And uh, as we pursue it, uh, this, uh, th- this, it helps us turn from evil and do good. And so we are, we are to be like a dog on a bone with peace. We're to chase it down. We're to pursue it. We're to run after it. We're to try to make it uh, wherever we can. And then as we do these things, the promise is that God will turn his face towards us, that he will hear our prayers. Remember at the end of chat, you know, at the end of that verse seven, talking to his, the, the husbands, you know, there's kind of this issue, right, of uh, you don't want your prayers hindered. This seems to be an issue with, with Peter. He doesn't want prayer hindered. He doesn't want, uh, you know, he doesn't want there to be anything between us and God. And so uh, we get, we, we kind of get back to this place again uh, here. So, uh, so how do we live? These are kind of the the principles of living in community with one another. Could you imagine living in community like that consistently? Uh, that would be a be a pretty beautiful thing. In the second section here, uh, verses thirteen through seventeen. How do we live with those outside the faith? Uh, verse thirteen says, "Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good?" Uh, but if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. What what he's getting at here is is we need to again live lives of integrity. Remember the people who he's writing to. Uh, we're living in a time where uh, there's a lot of social pressure to worship in the emperor cult, and and when you didn't participate, when you didn't do that, they they were brought up on charges, and you know they were oftentimes trumped up charges, false charges, and so what Peter is reminding them is. Live lives that are good so that none of that sticks. And even, even if you are to suffer, even if you are uh, to, to, to come under this kind of violence against you, make sure, make sure it's not because you deserve it, right? I mean, you look out in our world today. There are a lot of people who cry persecution, but then you look at how they act and how they talk and how they interact with other people. And it's like, bro, you're you're not being persecuted. You're just a jerk. And so Peter here is saying, guys, it's, that's, you know, make sure that you are, make sure that you, that you are doing good. Um, and if you are, then you don't have to fear their threats and you don't have to be frightened. Verses 15 and 16, uh, you know, lead us to this place where if, if we are constantly and consistently doing good in the face of one who would hold us as an enemy. Uh, there's eventually going to become the question of why do you have such hope? 
doing good towards one who would hold you as an enemy is, is, is an incredibly subversive way of life. It's a subversive way to live. And so the follower of Jesus is to be ready to answer for their hope. Why? Why do you live this way? Uh, but even when we answer that question, it is to be wrapped in gentleness and respect so that no matter the situation, the Jesus follower is always pursuing love. This is the absolutely critical thing that we, that we are answering for our hope in a position of love. Now, verse 17 uh, you know, is it points us to the inevitability of suffering. We will suffer. It is a part of life. Christianity doesn't hide from that fact. I was listening to a podcast uh, this past week, and uh, one of the guys was talking about a season of suffering in his life. And when he went to church, the one of the people at church said, "Yeah, we Christians don't do good with suffering." And it's like, what? The whole that 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 should be the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, we we should lead the way in showing how to suffer well because of because of who Christ is. The why is often uh, what we struggle with, and you know. So Peter here is saying, make sure that the why, make sure that the why is because you have done good, not because you earned it. Now, uh, we get into verses 18 through 22. We live life with God because of what Christ has done. We get to live these transcendent lives uh, because of what Christ has done. Verse 18, we're able to bear up under unjust suffering because Christ has. This is the answer for our hope, right? This, this gets us back into that, you know, how do you, you know, be ready, be ready in season, out season, be ready to give this answer. What's the answer? Christ suffered so I can suffer. I have hope because of what Christ has done. When we do good and suffer, we look to him and know that we can trust in the reality that Christ has brought life. And when we do that, when we are faced with unjust suffering, when we know that Christ identifies with those who, who go through unjust suffering, then we are able to live with hope. We are able to bear up underneath it. Verses 19 through 22 are arguably some of the most difficult verses in the whole Bible. There is a lot. They feel disjointed, disconnected. It feels like, um, you know, this, this should have ended in 18. Like 18 would have made a lot more sense. Uh, what most scholars think is that verses 19 through 22 are a baptismal liturgy. So when you were baptized, uh, this is part of the liturgy that was that was used. And so the argument goes that Peter here was using this liturgy, dropped this liturgy in here uh, as a kind of a shorthand to remind them of who they are in Christ, that, that they are ones who have been identified with Christ, who have been saved by Christ because of his resurrection. And therefore they, they can bear up under hardship. They can bear up uh, under under the weight of this world because of what Christ has done and that their baptism is the sign and the symbol and the seal of that reality. So uh, there's there's some there's some tough questions here that we that we kind of you know we gotta we gotta figure out who are 
Who are the imprisoned spirits? Question number one, who are they? Well, Scott, the consensus is that they are the people who died during the Noahic flood. Um, that's that either, either the people or some, some argue that they are the, uh, the, the folks who had come down or the kind of the angel type folks, uh, who the, the great, the weird beings that came down and tried to, to get with human women. I don't know. Uh, you'll, you'll see here in a minute. I think it makes most sense that they're talking about the people uh, who died. Now, when, when did he go preach to these, to these imprisoned spirits? Well, uh, there's three, three arguments. Argument number one, he preached pre-incarnate. So before, before God, the son became Jesus, uh, he went and preached there. I don't think there's textual evidence for that. Uh, option number two, he preached the spirit, the spirits after he died, but before he rose again, I think that verse 19, uh, you know, kind of, it kind of makes it so that that's not really a possibility. Um, you know, this, because it says after being made alive. So I think, and this is number three, is that he went and preached there sometime after the ascension, sometime after he ascended to heaven. I think that's that's the most like that's the most likely thing. Um, now, and, and all that's great, right? Like, I mean, in some sense, those are going to be the questions. Um, but why? Why do we have this weird thing about Noah and? you know, the Baptist, like, why, why is this here? Well, I go with a bit of a minority view. Um, and it's, and it's the minority view only, I think only because, uh, of this word imprisoned spirits, uh, that word spirits there, uh, is only, is not used of humans, um, in the new Testament. It's used, uh, primarily for, you know, the spirit world. Now we see words being used, uh, in a different way, only, you know, being only used in this one way, uh, in various other places in the New Testament. So I don't think that's a great argument. I think the better argument comes from this, this issue, this question of context. Why do we have this story? Why do we have this, this set of verses? And, uh, and I think Peter here is trying to give them hope. He wants them to have hope in the face of hardship, in the face of suffering. He wants them to know hope. Well, when we begin, you begin to unravel some of this, um, as you begin to study, you find out that uh, the rabbis in the first century believed that Noah's generation was the most wicked generation that humanity has ever seen that it was the worst, that it was the worst of the worst. They were the example for the ultimate evil. And yet here we have Peter saying Christ rose and went and preached to the most evil of evil. What he's saying here is that no matter how bad, no matter how far astray, no matter how broken, no matter how sinful, no matter how awful, there is grace, there is hope, and Christ will come to you. Guys, that, that is hope. Nobody, nobody is beyond hope. You see, none of us are going to, 
None of the people that Peter was writing to and none of us are going to live the way he describes here all the time. We're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. Especially if you're walking through a season of, of, of persecution, hope would wane. And he says, guys, you don't, you, you can be, <laughs> you can be absolutely confident in your salvation. You can be confident in the grace of Christ because that grace extends even to those who died in Noah's flood. It, ex- the grace extends to the worst possible people that we can, that we can comprehend you don't have to worry. You can trust. You can rest in this reality. I think that's why these, these crazy verses are, are in there. It's to point to that. Now, um, so conclusion. How do we wrap this thing up? How do we land the plane? Um, I think when we truly trust in Christ, we're free to live gentle lives. When we have confidence that grace abounds, that there is nothing we can do that can make God love us more, nothing we can do that can make God love us less, uh, that, we, that we are truly then we are truly free to live gentle lives. Confidence in God's grace frees us to love well and to do good for our neighbors even when it's hard. And so we can love well with the community of faith. We can love well the community around us as we trust in the deeper spiritual life up, knowing, knowing that there is more, knowing that grace bounds and extends everywhere to the darkest places, to the, the most hurting and sick people. Grace goes so we can trust, we can rest, and we can yield to that reality. Um, all right, well, hopefully... Hopefully this wasn't corrupted. Hopefully this doesn't get messed up. Uh, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. As always, if you have other questions, if there are things that you're wondering about that I didn't hit, man, reach out and uh, let's let's talk about it. I will do better about getting this out earlier in the week. All right. Uh, we will We will talk soon. Love well. <laughs>